Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We are getting closer to the start of college and the NFL. I'm going to talk a lot about what's going on in NFL training camps. I'm going to talk about something that I just quite do not understand. I don't know if it's called a new trend or how you would describe it, but it leaves me absolutely mystified, perplexed, and pissed off. I, I just, it bothers the hell out of me, and I'm going to talk about that for a couple of minutes on today's podcast. We've got our crowd ultra Q&A, and as always, my rant. Today's podcast brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Just received another email last night from a satisfied customer of New Works Plumbing. I want to say thank you very much for reaching out. I know New Works appreciates it. I appreciate it. And just remember, they're available to you around the clock 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs and repairs. Just go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X Plumbing. All right, now to the issue that really has me bothered. Over the weekend, a gentleman that I have never heard of, not that that matters, but he was a outspoken Nashville conservative talk radio host. His name was Phil Valentine. He was also a skeptic of the COVID vaccine. Well, he battled COVID for a month and lost his battle. He died at the age of 61. Martina Navratilova, you all know Martina, right? Former great player, tennis analyst, in capital letters, tweets out, womp, womp, dot, 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 no mercy from me for this guy. Then she's got the nerve to come out on social media due to the criticism and says, I wasn't celebrating his death. Womp, womp in capital letters, is not celebrating the death of an individual? What the hell is wrong with these people? And I'm really serious about this. Like, what on earth is wrong with you that you've got to go to social media and put out a tweet celebrating the death of another human being? Saw the same thing with Mark Jones when he celebrated the death of Rush Limbaugh. So, basically... And I'm trying to understand this. So if somebody has a different political view of you, you're okay when they die. 
Isn't that what we're saying? Or if somebody has a different opinion as it relates to the coronavirus vaccine or the COVID-19 virus in general, it's okay when they die for you to celebrate them. So not only do you find it okay when a human being loses their life just because you don't agree with a comment they made about the COVID vaccine or because maybe you are a liberal and they're a conservative or vice versa. Is that what we're at right now in the United States where it's okay to go on social media and openly celebrate the death of another person? I mean, what the hell must be wrong with an individual to go on social media and basically applaud when another human dies only because they have a different political viewpoint than you. I mean, I'm trying to understand this. So would that mean that if you're Martina Navratilova or you're Mark Jones, that you would want the 70 million plus people that voted for former President Donald Trump, would that mean that you would want them to die? Would that mean that if you were a conservative and when President Obama won two straight elections, that you want all those people to die? I mean, what what are we getting at here? I mean, Martina Navratilova, okay? Womp, womp in capital letters. And then has the freaking audacity and the nerve to say that she was not celebrating the man's death. What does womp, womp mean in capital letters? Mark Jones, again, and others when Rush Limbaugh died. Can't you just stay off social media when it comes to celebrating the death of another person? I mean, you know, I I just truly do not understand this. I think it is such a bad look. I think it's reprehensible. I think it's despicable. I think it's an absolute outrage. It is a travesty. And I have lost, I have no respect, no respect anymore for Martina Navratilova. I mean, zero respect. If you have to go to social media to celebrate the death of another human because you disagree with their political viewpoints or you disagree with the COVID vaccination and the vaccine itself, and that's enough to make you happy that the person died, there's something wrong with you. I mean, you need to do a a big-time reflection. Look in the mirror, you know, do some soul-searching. But to me, you've got a lot of issues. I I do not understand that. So I wanted to get that off my chest because that's just been bugging the hell out of me for the last couple of days. All right, now to the National Football League and something else I don't understand. And that is, last year, we didn't have any preseason football. And you know how great it was? I'll tell you how great it was. We didn't have to listen to the over-analysis and the overhyping of rookies, particularly the quarterbacks. We didn't have to deal with, you know, Justin Fields after his first, you know, quarter of his first preseason game that he was going to be the greatest thing since deep dish pizza, all right? We didn't have to listen to, you know, Trey Lance, who's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, uh, or Zach Wilson, you know, who is going to be the next Joe Namath in New York, all right? That's the nice thing. We were spared from all of that. I have said this, and I'm going to say it again. 
when you talk about preseason football in the National Football League, yeah, I would much rather have my quarterback look good than not look good. But if you watch the 49ers game, right, against the Chargers, and you watch the first half of that game, I mean, how good was – what was the kid's name? Eason? Is that his first name? I can't even remember. Stick? The the the, uh, the 25-year-old out of North Dakota State, the same school, by the way, that Trey Lance went to, and that's why he was redshirted his freshman year. I mean, if you watch Stick play in the first half of the game on Sunday night – and you didn't even know who he was. You would go, oh, that's the starting quarterback for the Chargers. Do you think the guy is a starting quarterback? you think he's going to take Justin Herbert's job because he really played well in the preseason? I mean, can we stop it with this nonsense? I've I, I watched Trey Lance play in the first two games. And you know what it shows me? The guy has a lot of ability. A lot of ability. He has a rocket arm. He has the ability to get out of the pocket. But here's what it was very apparent to me in the first two games that he does not have. He doesn't have great pocket awareness. He doesn't have a great understanding, nor should he, nor should he, of NFL defenses. And to me, it's an absolute no-brainer that Jimmy Garoppolo should start week one. Now, I'm not saying that Garoppolo will start all 17 games, but to me, it's an easy decision if you're Kyle Shanahan. The best quarterback to win at the beginning of the season is Garoppolo. I've always looked at the quarterback position in the NFL like this. I'm not as I'm not looking at the quarterbacks who always make the big play. I always look at the quarterback who makes the big mistake. Because generally speaking, when a quarterback in the NFL makes the big mistake, an interception on that fourth down drive when the game is tied or you're down by three and you're already in field goal range and, you know, you try to get a little too greedy and you turn the ball over. The mistake very often will hurt you more than the big play will help you. So to me, if I'm looking at this from the 49ers perspective, I believe that Garoppolo will make fewer mistakes than Lance. And for that reason, when I look at the makeup of the 49ers and how good I think their defense will be, to me, that gives you the best chance to win. That's number one. Number two, I look at Justin Fields. All right. Now, the situation there is a little bit different. Andy Dalton is a veteran quarterback, but when's the last time you watched an NFL game with Andy Dalton playing and you go, boy, is he really, really good? I don't think Justin Fields should start early. I think it's the same thing. I look at what happened in Miami Dolphins last year. I talked about this in my rant. You look at what Tua did last year. The best quarterback on that team was not Tua. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the Dolphins played their best football when Fitzpatrick was the quarterback. And Fitzpatrick started at the beginning of the season, right? And then Tua took over. He had his ups and downs. And Miami, even though they went 10-6, and six, their philosophy was, we're going to get the kid ready. We're more worried about the future than we are about this year. And you know what? Sometimes that is good, but then sometimes that is a really difficult sell to the other players in your locker room because the players are on the practice field every day and they know who gives you the best chance to win. And if you as a head coach are thinking or management is thinking, you know what? We're going to concede this year for the future. That doesn't go over very well in the locker room. And that's not a real good way to have longevity as a coach or a general manager. So there's a catch-22 here. But when it comes to NFL preseason, good Lord, the overreaction, 
the overreaction to quarterback scoring against second and third string units is absolutely ridiculous. And not only that, defenses do not game plan in the preseason for offenses. All right? So, I mean, a quarterback should look good in the preseason. Again, Easton Stick is a great example of that. He looked all-world in the first half against San Francisco. You think Stick, if the regular season started on Sunday and he was playing against the 49ers, real defense would look like that? Come on, stop it. I mean, we know the answer to that question. So for you 49er fans, I understand the excitement. I really do. I understand the, wow, you know, you look at Trey Lance and you're, oh, my God, what an arm. And, uh, boy, he can run. And he can, yeah, that's fine and dandy. But there's a hell of a lot more that comes to playing quarterback in the NFL than that. I mean, the one interception I don't really think was his fault. Yes, the ball was a little bit high, but it could have been caught. He got away with an interception on a, a subsequent drive where it should have been picked off. It was a bad pass. And, again, I'm not nitpicking on the guy. He barely played any college football last year. He is going to be good. I don't think there's any question that he's going to be good. But I don't think it would be good if you started him in week one for the 49ers. And I've been reading a lot of the comments from 49er fans, and I don't understand what they're looking at here. I think that sometimes – you can get fooled and you get absolutely swayed by looking at a quarterback in the preseason and you don't stop and think, what are they looking at? Again, they're looking at second and third string players and they're looking at no scheme, very vanilla. Now, I know people go, well, gee, Grant, they're playing with a second string offensive line. or Okay, you know what? That partly is true. But you're still looking at very vanilla schemes defensively. All right? So we need to relax a little bit. Again, I used Miami as an example last year. I used the Chargers and Justin Herbert as an example last year. And I can go on and on. But, I mean, look at Herbert. Same thing as Tua. You know, let them learn from the sideline. Let them go through a couple of weeks. Let them kind of, you know, learn how to drive the car first before you just throw the keys at them. I see it year in year out in the National Football League. You know how many quarterbacks, you know, we see in the preseason that we think are going to be great? You remember Ryan Leaf when he was the second overall pick to Peyton Manning? Remember Ryan Leaf in the preseason? I mean, people were talking about him like he was going to be the next Johnny Unitas for crying out loud. How did that work out? You remember when Tim Couch came into the NFL with the Browns and he was, like, spectacular in the preseason? How did his NFL career work out? And conversely, there are guys that you don't think are going to be very good that end up as a later-round pick. Look at Dak Prescott. Look at the contract he just signed. All right? So, you know, it doesn't – it's not necessarily the guys that are at the top of the draft. We see it all the time. I'm not going to use Tom Brady as an example or Joe Montana, but, I mean, you get my drift. Now, the game is different now. I think quarterbacks are more NFL-ready than they've ever been before because of the way the college game is played. I think they're quicker to adapt to NFL play because they've been running a a pro-style offense in college, and I think the coaching in college now is, is so good, and I think that all helps. But can we just please not rush it? Wait a couple of weeks. I mean, you would think that if the Bears don't start Justin Fields, if the 49ers don't start Trey Lance, like their season is going to be a catastrophe. No, see, I look at it the other way. I think if you start Fields, and I think if you start Lance, 
I think you're going to have a couple of losses early in the year that you would not have, which may prevent you from being a playoff team or a divisional winner. I, for one, cannot wait for this round of weekend games to be over so we can start with the stop with the hype, stop with the nonsense, and stop with just the ridiculousness. Seriously, the ridiculousness of the overhype of NFL rookies in the preseason, particularly at the quarterback position. So I want to get that in on the NFL. Again, thank goodness that this uh, coming weekend is the last weekend of the NFL preseason. Something else I wanted to touch on, and I haven't talked a lot about baseball because I think so many people have been turned off from baseball. I do think the Field of Dreams game was great, but it's just one game. You know, they had the highest ratings in decades or I think since the early 2000s, highest regular season rated game. And that's good. You know, good. That's good for baseball. Baseball needs that. But I got to tell you, I really loved the baseball that I watched in Oakland this past weekend with the Giants and the A's. A's winning game one, but how good And I know that if you're an A's fan, you wouldn't say this, but I'm talking about from a basic baseball perspective. How good were those games on Saturday and Sunday? How good were those? Those were like playoff atmosphere games. You had the Giants who are cruising, best record in baseball. The A's are fighting for the wild card with the Yankees and the Red Sox. And every game is so important. You know, the pinch hit home run in the ninth on Saturday. The pinch hit home run in the eighth on Sunday. The way the game was played. You know, I thought the at-bats were good. I love what I saw from the defense. I, I just, to me, it was refreshing to see baseball played at that level in that intensity for a weekend series between the A's and the Giants. Because I got to tell you, when I watch baseball now, I have trouble getting through an inning sometimes. I really do. I mean, I just think baseball has got, and that's why the Field of Dreams game was so good. Because that ninth inning, you know, when the Yanks were down and Judge hit the, the two-run homer, all right, and then Stanton hit the homer, and then the White Sox come back in the ninth, and they win it on a walk-off. I mean, that was just magical for the game of baseball. But the problem is, those games are few and far between. There were too many bad games. There were too many awful games. You know, I talked about the bad base running and how many times we see the terrible base running in Major League Baseball, the strikeout rate. I mean, it's just terrible. I mean, try and watch a game with 10,000 people in the ballpark when there are when the games last three and a half hours and there are combined 10 hits and the score is, you know, three to one or four to two and, you know, everyone strikes out. I mean, is that fun? Do you enjoy watching that? That's why I really enjoyed the San Francisco-Oakland series. I, I thought it was tremendous. Another debate, you know, Vlad Guerrero and, of course, Shohei Otani. And I heard you know, a conversation on another radio show about how they feel that Vlad Guerrero, you know, should be the MVP and not Otani because he's batting 40 points higher, even though he's got four or five fewer home runs. And I thought it was an interesting debate. But when you look at what Shohei does on the mound, in addition to what he does in the field, I mean, he's such a throwback. He is such a throwback. And the thing that may hurt him is the fact that the Angels don't ever play in meaningful games. So I'm just wondering, if you're a baseball fan, 
Do you look at meaningful games? Do you look at that as an issue? Do you look at that as, like, that should count against a player like Shohei Otani? Like, I don't think it affects how he would play, does it? I don't think it affects how he pitches. The fact that maybe they're not in a playoff race and the games don't count in terms of the playoffs because they're not going to the playoffs. I mean, you still got to produce. I think the guy is so magical and he gets so much attention. And I understand about Vlad Guerrero. I mean, the guy, what he's doing is amazing. You know, his batting average is incredible. I think he has the same number of RBI as Otani. So, you know, there's a lot to like. But I think that with Shohei being on the mound and doing what he does in addition to everything else, he's going to be pretty hard to beat in the MVP race. And so I'm going to ask this question. Not that not that Guerrero's going to be in the playoffs. I mean, as it looks right now, that's not going to happen. Does your MVP have to be from a playoff team? And my question to you would be, if so, why? Why would you have to be on a playoff team if you win the MVP? I mean, if you're the best player in your league, which to me is what the MVP is, the guy that had the best year, the best statistical year, the best year on the field, regardless of how many games their team won or lost, to me, that is the MVP in Major League Baseball. And so to me, when I look at the MVP of the American League and the MVP of the National League, when I look at the MVP of the American League, the fact that Otani is on a losing team, a team that's not going to the playoffs, to me, doesn't factor into it. It's going to be very, very interesting indeed. All right, I want to tell you that Crowd Ultra, the questions have been really good. I've really enjoyed reading them, talking about it. Uh, and I want to thank those of you that have signed up by going to CrowdUltra.com. It takes a minute, and maybe I will answer your question right here on my podcast. All right, let's get to this episode's questions. And again, just go to CrowdUltra.com. All right, Casey asks, do you think refereeing in sports has improved over time? I think what's improved is there are fewer mistakes because of the technology involved in replay. Uh, I think that these games are becoming near impossible to officiate with the standard that you, as fans, expect. I don't think it's possible. I think that the number of rules that are implemented in these games make it more difficult for the officials. But to me, in speaking with friends that are umpires in baseball, referees in the NBA, I think there's less pressure on our sports officials due to the advent of replay. That's what I think. Jake wants to know, is there another sporting event that could replace the popularity of the Super Bowl? No. Not in America. No. The World Cup, maybe. But that's not in America. Um, But in this country, there is not another sporting event that could and will replace the popularity of of the Super Bowl. Jason wants to know, do you like watching the NFL or college football more? I enjoy the NFL more because I grew up on it. As a kid growing up in New York, uh, we had season tickets to both the Giants and the Jets. I started going to New York Giants games when I was three years old. And literally, and I mean this, I was at an NFL game every single Sunday. 
because very rarely would the Giants and the Jets play at home on the same day. So I was either at Yankee Stadium watching the Giants or at Shea Stadium watching the Jets. And I think I've told this story before. I love the Giants and still do and hated the Jets. So I would always root for the Giants religiously. And whenever I was at Shea Stadium, one week I'd be rooting for the Colts. Two weeks later, I'd be rooting for the Dolphins. Then later on, I'd be rooting for the Bills. And the season ticket holders at Shea Stadium couldn't stand me because I was just a brat who was rooting against the Jets. And they used to kid my dad, why are you keep on bringing him to these games? So, yeah, I was a little, uh, I was obnoxious because I went to uh, all the games but hated the Jets. And they were good when I was growing up, and the Giants were terrible. Giants were awful when I was growing up, terrible. Jets were good. They won the Super Bowl. Joe Namath and, you know, the great era that they had. But I, I did not like the Jets. I did not like the Jets. Gene asks, what does a home NBA playoff game mean to the bottom line of a franchise? For example, how much would the Kings make in just ticket sales for one playoff game that sold out at the Golden One Center? That's a good question. I don't know the answer, but it's significant. I, uh, it's a significant amount of revenue to make the playoffs. There's no question about that. Mike says, do you agree with Sean Salisbury saying the Niners should start Trey Lance? No, I don't. I just went into that a couple of minutes ago. I do not believe that they should start Trey Lance, and I think it would be a mistake. I don't think the Bears should start Justin Fields either. Um, I I don't believe that. I think if you have – well, I'll, I'll look at – I'll, I'll keep it with the 49ers since you said that. I think Jimmy Garoppolo right now is a better quarterback than Trey Lance. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo gives the 49ers the best chance to win early in the season. Uh, Donovan asks, have I seen the Malice in the Palace documentary on Netflix? I have not. I've heard it's really, really good. Uh, I will check it out because I would like to see it. You know, I'm very close with Scott Pollard. He told me some inside stories about that bus ride to the airport and the flight back to Indianapolis. So I've got kind of an interesting perspective. Uh, I'm friends with Mark Boyle, the radio announcer of the Pacers, who in the melee uh, ended up breaking his back. So, you know, I got his perspective on everything. Very interesting, though, but I will see it for sure. Uh, Dylan asked, how close of a relationship would you normally have with Kings players? That is a fabulous question, Dylan. That is a fabulous question. When I first started doing the games... I was the same age as the players, and there was no social media. There was really no internet, and we flew commercially. We had one bus. We would go, we'd be in the waiting area at the gate together, uh, and I developed a lot of close relationships with players that I'm still friends with today. Reggie Theus, I consider a dear friend. Joe Klein who I also had on the podcast. I consider him, you know, a very good friend. Um, Wayman Tisdale, I loved the man like a family member. Uh, Spud Webb, to this day, I consider a very close friend of mine. Uh, then I fast forward, you know, through that, that decade into the 2000s. Scott Pollard, very, very good friend of mine. Vladdy Divac, John Barry, um, you know, Peja Stoyakovich, uh, very, very good friends of mine. So as I got older, not as close with the players, and 
they stayed the same age. I kept getting older, and so I would have less in common with today's player, whereas in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s, not only was I with the players traveling all the time, but we would go out to dinner a lot. It was very common for me to be out to dinner with players. I know Gary Gerald is still, to this day, very close with Eddie Johnson, very close with Bill Wennington. You know, he would tell you the same thing. It was very common to go out to lunch or to go out to dinner with players. I used to go out with Rodney McRae quite often. I think Rodney is just one of the nice, great people. Uh, When we had the reunion in Sacramento for the last game ever at Arco, and they brought all the players in. I remember talking to Walt Williams, and I hadn't seen the Wizard since he played. And honestly, it was like I had just been with the guy a week prior. You know, so the the relationships were different, I think, because of my generation and the fact that I was pretty much the same age as those guys or a little bit older. But as time goes on, the players stay the same. We get older. I hope that answers the question. Vince asked, How do you think Jim Brown would do in the modern-day NFL? He would be a freaking superstar, period. Rob asked, have you paid any attention to Conor McGregor mentally deteriorating since his most recent loss? I've said this for years, and I'm going to say it again. I don't know how anyone can root for Conor McGregor. I've said this for years. I think the guy's a dangerous human. I think he's a bad dude. And I don't know how people support him and root for him. I think the guy's going to, I hate to say this, kill somebody someday. I think he's a dangerous, I think he's messed up. That's what I think. And I've been saying that for a long time. Andre wants to know, have you ever met Allen Iverson? I have not. We move along. Ricky asks, why do some teams get better in the playoffs and others get worse? I think momentum has a lot to do with it. I also think very often you find players that live for the big moment and you don't know quite how until you get to the big moment. I mean, look at Robert Ory. They call, his nickname was Big Shot Bob. And you look at Reggie Jackson, Mr. October. There are just athletes that live for the moment, thrive in the moment, and there are others that crumble to the ground. I think that has a lot, of, uh, lot to do with it. Reed asked, what position did you play in lacrosse? You know, Reed, when I first started playing lacrosse, I played crease defense. Then I played goalie, and I started scoring goals from my goalie position because I had such great stick work because I had started playing at such an early age. And then in ninth grade, I had to make a decision of what position to play, and I ended up playing attack. And I'll never forget going to a lacrosse camp in the summer of – ninth grade and I went to a camp with all high school players because high school was 10th 11th and 12th where I was and I played attack and I'll never forget the guy guarding me was a senior at the high school and he was pretty good and I remember him telling me just relax he said I won't kill you and that's exactly what he said he we were playing we were scrimmaging at Hofstra University in a summer camp under the lights I'll never forget this and he said he goes listen just relax just play I'm not going to kill you and I and I it, it was amazing what him saying that to me, but then I I played attack and lacrosse. Um, I broke the school record my senior year for most goals in a season and then played in college and actually played lacrosse up until I was 50 years old in club lacrosse uh, in Sacramento. Loved it. 
Still love it. I think it is a fabulous, fabulous game. Trevor wants to know, why don't you see anyone do a sky hook like Kareem anymore? That's a good question. You know, no one plays with their back to the basket anymore. Seemingly, it doesn't seem like anyone plays with uh, their back to the basket anymore. You know what? That's a really, really good question. I, I don't know. I would think if you, if I mean, how good was it for Kareem, right? How good was he? How good was he? Thanks very much to everyone for your Crowd Ultra Q&A. It's time for Grant's Rant. And today's rant is brought to you by the Home Theater Company. For all of your audio, video, and home theater needs, check out the Home Theater Company. I've used them since the mid-'90s. They're awesome. Their installers are the best. Uh, You can't go wrong with the Home Theater Company. Again, go online, hometheatercompany.com. I'll tell you, this COVID-19 in the NFL is ridiculous. So now you're telling me that Cam Newton is out until Thursday due to a misunderstanding about the testing. Now, first of all, he's not vaccinated. And we know in the NFL, there are different rules for those that have gotten the vaccine and others that have not. You ready for this? So Cam Newton goes to a team-approved doctor's appointment. All right? It was over the weekend. The team-approved appointment, Required, 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 good thing I don't have to talk for a living, required him to travel outside of New England, and he tested negative every single day. Oh, no, 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 that's not good. A misunderstanding because it violated the NFL, NFLPA protocols that approve testing sites or methods. How about that? Only unvaccinated players are required to be tested for COVID-19 every day. And if a day of testing is missed, players are subject to re-entry testing. So what does that mean? Players are not allowed inside the team facility until they have five straight days of negative test. How about that? How about that? So he doesn't have COVID. He's fine. But... Even though he went to a Patriots-approved medical appointment that required him to leave the New England region, he now has to be away from the team until Thursday. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? By the way, Newton has declined to comment when asked if he was vaccinated. That was earlier in training camp. Now, here's something that's very interesting as well. Veteran safety... Devin McCourty, who's a captain, I guess he filmed a PSA about vaccinations with another captain on the team, Matthew Slater. And so he was asked yesterday about Newton's status. Now, how about this? Quote, I think I've said it to a lot to guys, or excuse me, I think I've said it to a lot of guys, and the little video me and Slate did, vaccinations is a personal decision. That's up to each individual. And as far as how the team views that and how we go forward, That's a Bill Belichick question. I feel like he would tee that up and knock that out of the park. So I'm going to leave that for Bill and let him handle that. You know, I always use the term common sense, that we don't have common sense in our society anymore. And this situation with Cam Newton defies logic and it defies common sense. And the fact that he cannot be with the team until Thursday is asinine and, in my opinion, absolutely stupid. And that's my rant 
for today. Hey, coming up on the podcast on Friday, Charles Davis, one of my all-time favorite guests. The years that I've done radio, he's already been on the podcast once. Charles Davis, CBS Sports, the NFL Network. That is coming up for you on Friday. Can not wait. Don't forget to check out my video rants as well over on YouTube. And as always, thank you so much for listening to If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.